Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. Today I get to talk to you on the subject graves and gardens. Graves and gardens. And uh, as a kid, I used to love to, to ride through cemeteries. I know it's strange. I know it's weird. I, but I, I did. I used to love to ride through cemeteries. And, and what's even stranger about this whole thing is that my, my mom would oblige because my elementary school was right next door to the main municipal cemetery in, in Perry, Florida. It was the, the biggest one, the, the nice cemetery there. And, and my middle school was right next door. We could look out of the windows of the school and see the cemetery. There was times that we were in class and we could see funerals taking place over there. And, and, and I would, mom would pick me up from school and as soon as I'd get in the car, I'd say, Mom, can, can we ride through the cemetery? And, and you, know, you would think that mom would be like, no, son, that's weird, that's strange. You know, you're going you're gonna to want to be a serial killer one day or something. You know, it's, this isn't right. And, and mom would just say, sure, son, let's do it. And we would ride through the cemetery and I love looking at the headstones. I did. I just, they're so beautiful to me. And they're all, you know, different shapes, sizes. And I, I, I would love to look at the headstones. And, and I would read them. I would always look at the date of birth, the date of death. But the ones I really like are the ones that have more script on the back. They're few and far between, but every now and then you'll see them. Matter of fact, my, my dad passed away in, in August, and we're, we're having his, his headstone made. And on the front is his name, Jack L. McKinley, and his date of birth, date of death. And then on the back, it, it's that, that, that famous quote of his, God's bigger than what's the matter. It's going on his headstone. We're excited about that. There's one here in Newberry, actually, that cracks me up every time I see it. On the back of the headstone, it says, I told you I was sick. <laughs> he, he tried. He, he tried to tell them. But there's just something about cemeteries that even this day, it's, it's, it's kind of unique to me. I love riding through a cemetery. I love looking and, and reading and, and just, just checking it out. When I was a teenager, one time I was at this girl's birthday party and she lived out in the country and um, we were at the birthday party. It was a Friday night and, and it just got boring. We were just, we were bored out of our minds. And so there was a cemetery about a half a mile from her house down this little two lane country road it leads to this old cemetery. It, it's not like the one that was in town that's, you know, mowed and kept. And Now, this one was overgrown, and it was old. We walked down there that night. And, and please don't judge me by this, but that night, we, we didn't vandalize or anything like that, but, but we sat around on the headstones and just sat around and talked for a while. We were telling ghost stories is what we were doing. What's, I mean, there's nothing better than sitting in a cemetery telling ghost stories, Right? Which, if you don't know me, one of my guilty pleasures in life is I love horror movies. I mean, that's, it's weird. It's strange. You're second-guessing coming to church today. I know you are. But, um, and, and, and we were just sitting there telling ghost stories when all of a sudden one of the girls jumped up and she said, Look, a woman! And sure enough, we all stood up. Now, it's dark. It's a little foggy. The moon is shining bright. And about 50 yards off into the distance, there is a woman Long gray hair, long gray flowing dress, and she's standing there looking at us. We didn't stick around to ask her her name. <laughs> we just made a beeline back to this girl's house. Half a mile, we just ran back to the house. 
The next day, me and the guy rode by there, and um, we, we figured out that it was actually a weeping willow tree with some moss that had fallen from another tree, and the moon hit it just right. But, you know, it's the power of suggestion is what it is. Look, a woman. We're telling ghost stories. We look, and it was the shape of a woman. It was flowing in the wind, and that night I'd have bet the farm on it, but it was not a woman. It was definitely not a woman. So many people are, are walking in graveyards, and they don't even know it. And, and this is what saddens my soul, church, is that there's so many people that they don't even realize that they're just dead in their sin. And it's contradictory to the way that Christ, he, he came so that we can have life and have it more abundantly, free and separate from that sin. He, he, he didn't come uh, for any other reason but to set the captives free. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. And so he, he came so that we could be free from sin, not dead in our sin. And, and it saddens me that there's so many people that they're just walking in their graves. They're just walking through graveyards and they don't even realize it. And if that's you today, I want to give you some hope and if you'll just listen to me just 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 let me just just try and, and my best to preach the gospel and, and and I want the Holy Spirit to bring you and draw you in because Jesus overcame the grave so that we can live a life that is free of guilt free of shame free of blame free from the effects of sin because the enemy the enemy wants you bound by that sin he wants you uh, just 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 captured by your sin, and, and, and he doesn't want to let you go from that. And, and, and the release from that is so simple. Because Christ paid the price for all of that. Today we get to celebrate that resurrection of how he overcame sin for you and for me. I'm going to be reading out of John chapter 19 today. There's, in, in the Gospels, we get a few accounts of, of the resurrection story different eyewitnesses, different versions, if you will, of, of how people witnessed it, how they encountered Christ, and, and how the resurrection happened. Today we get to read on, on John's account of it. And, and it, it's interesting to me how John writes. If you've, if you've ever read the book of John, if you've ever studied the book of John, John often writes about himself, but he never calls himself by name. He always calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. And so when you, when you read that in, in the scripture and you read the disciple whom Jesus loved in the book of John, he's, he's basically pointing the finger at him and saying, he's, it's me, it's me. I'm talking about me right now. So just keep that in mind as we read of this resurrection encounter here. John chapter 19, verse 38. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took away his body. Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds in weight. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen cloths with the, with the spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. Chapter 20 and verse 1. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. So there's John again, talking about himself. She, 
she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were running, and, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter. Listen now, John. John, John. John's just kind of bragging on himself right now. I outran Peter. He outran Peter and reached the tomb first and stopped and stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. In other words, Peter just showed up. I beat him here. But he has the courage to walk into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first, and again, he's, he's making sure you know it. I beat him. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. Now, church, just realize this. At this point, no one yet has claimed the possibility of the resurrection. Even though Christ said this would happen, None of these guys are saying, hey, this is what he was talking about. This is the resurrection. They're, they're not laying claim to that right now. Verse 11. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have, if you have carried him away, tell, him where, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher, Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. In other words, social distance, six feet, please. <laughs> no, actually, I looked up that, that word, cling. Some translations, maybe your Bible, says that she, she reached out and touched him. And he said, don't touch me yet. I looked it up, and, and cling is actually a better translation. It, it, it means that she, like, embraced him, like she held on to him without letting him go. Yesterday, while we were cleaning up from the extravaganza, there was a little girl, she was in first service today, and, and uh, her name is Isabel, and Isabel came and, and she sat on my foot and wrapped arms and legs around my leg as I'm trying to clean up. I'm, I'm taking like post out of the ground, and she just will not let go, and I'm just having to walk with Isabel. Th good thing she's light, but I was having to walk with her until finally I looked at her and I said, do not cling to me. <laughs> I've got work to do. Don't cling to me. And so she got up and walked away. I have that effect on kids. Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them. So here's the reason why. He says, we don't, we don't have time for this right now. I need you to go and tell the others. I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. Church, what an interesting event. Mary Magdalene has come to the tomb of Christ just like we would visit a loved one's grave. She's mourning. She misses Jesus, and, and, and she's probably wondering what life is going to be like without his physical presence there. 
If you recall, Sister Magdalene was, was commonly associated uh, as, as the woman caught in adultery. Most scholars believe that, that she was a prostitute and, and adultery was her, her occupation. This is how she made a living. And, and while men were, were standing there with stones in their hands ready to stone her because of her occupation, because of, of, of how immoral her life was, and they were basing this on the law, and, and, and when they were ready to kill her, stones in hand, ready to, to, to crush her head open, Jesus steps in and he says to these men, he says, if you're without sin, you cast the first stone. It had been a long time since anyone had verbally spoken up for this woman. Because of her lifestyle, no one would put their name on the line for her. But Jesus says, if you're without sin, you cast the first stone. You throw the first one. And the Bible says that at that moment, he stooped down to the ground and he began to write in the sand. He began to write in the dirt. The Bible doesn't make us privy to what was said we, we, or what was written. We don't know what he was writing, but, but I've, I've heard it taught before that, that possibly he was writing down every name of all the men that she had slept with. And, and I can't tell you that's what happened, but here's what did happen. One by one, as they saw what he was writing in the sand, they dropped their rocks and just began to walk off. He literally saved her life. She was about to be killed at the hands of an angry mob. She was about to be killed. Jesus steps in. He is her Savior. Don't you know that when someone means that much to you, when they're a hero in your life, you want to go to their tomb. You want to go to their grave. You want to show respect. You often you want to go and appreciate them. Even though, even though you can no longer speak to them, you still have some things that you've got to get off your chest because you're mourning and you want them to understand how much they meant to you. So on this day, Mary comes to the tomb to pay respects to her friend, her hero, her savior. But when she arrives, she, she immediately believes that, that she has witnessed a grave robbery. That's the first thing that comes to her mind. Not resurrection. It's a grave robbery. Somebody has rolled the stone back and taken his body out of the tomb. And I've got to find out who's responsible for this because I've got to get his body back. So she beelines back to, to, to Peter's house and says, you, you and John, you guys come on. You guys come on. She probably beat both of them there, by the way. But, 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 but she, she gets them there and, and, and they can't make sense of all of it. And so they leave. The Bible says they went back to their houses. They went back home. But, but Mary lingers. She stays there. So much disappointment in this moment. This is not the way it was supposed to be. I can relate a little bit. I remember one year ago, last Easter... It wasn't the way it was supposed to be. You know that, right? We were supposed to be in here. We were supposed to celebrate Easter 2020 right here in this room with each other, just like we are today. But it didn't happen. 
Instead, we pre-recorded the whole thing. I was at home just like you were on Easter Sunday. I watched the sunrise service last year at 7 a.m. sitting by the fire pit. I watched it for the second time at 7 a.m. when it premiered because I had already watched it from behind a camera filming Pastor Andrew when we recorded it on Thursday. I raised my hand and gave my heart to Christ. We're sitting by the fire pit. And two hours later, just like you, we went inside and watched Easter services on the big screen. Sorry to disappoint you. It wasn't live either. I recorded it earlier in the week. So disappointed. And on this day, she was disappointed. It wasn't the way it was supposed to be. Her and all of the other disciples, they, 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 they thought that he would set up his kingdom. He kept talking about this kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, and, and he's dead. And now we don't even know where the body is at. Well, the other two guys, they go home. But she lingers, she stays. And church, there's something to learn from that. I think some of us, we need to learn to just sit and wait on God. We get so much in a hurry. We, we, we forget what, what it's like just to wait on God. Those that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. We, we, we've got to learn to wait and stop rushing decisions. Don't, don't bail out of that marriage just because things don't seem right right now. No, no, no. Wait on God because those that wait on God... They get to see the miraculous happen. Don't leave that job prematurely. Don't do that. Don't, 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 don't think that you have to take your career into your hands. No, 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 no. You wait. You just wait. Wait on God. And when you wait on God, you get to see the miraculous. Peter and John didn't get to see it. They went back home. But Mary Magdalene, she stayed behind. She lingered. And she waited. And because she waited, she becomes the first person to see the resurrected Jesus. You, do you know how important that is? She becomes the first person to see the resurrected Jesus. This is one of the proofs to me that, that, that this thing right here, this Bible, it, is real. That this thing is accurate. Because... In case you didn't know, and I know some modern translations, it changes, and that doesn't bother me at all, so, so don't start emailing me and you know, think I'm offended and all that kind of stuff. I'm not, because the Bible speaks to everyone, but it was written in a masculine format because men were the ones that could read. They didn't educate women in, in, the, in that day and age, and so it was written so that men would read it and, and men would receive from it. And, and thank God that we know that it, all, it speaks to all of us now, but, but it, that's the way it was written. And so if you're going to reach the known world of the time, then you would want your first witness to the resurrection to be a man because he has more credibility in that society. But Jesus is not interested in, in impressing you, okay? If you came to church today wanting to be impressed by Jesus, that's the last of his concerns. He didn't want to impress anyone. He didn't want to impress the world. No, 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 no. Jesus, Jesus is more concerned with the truth. He wants the truth. 
And the truth was, it was a woman that was the first to witness the resurrected Jesus Christ. This tomb where they laid the body of Christ, Scripture told us in our text that it was located in a garden. And this isn't much different than some of the well-manicured cemeteries that we we have today. You know, um, memorial gardens, forest meadows, evergreen cemetery, you know, just to name a few in our area. You know, lots of work goes into making these places look peaceful and serene, you know. And and, and, and when you take a ride through one of these nice cemeteries during the week, you'll most likely find like lawnmowers and and weed eaters, you'll find rakes and leaf bags. Hey, if you go to the cemetery in Newberry during the month of November, you'll find a bunch of like crazy idiots out there in red shirts during our serve month. And we will be out there with so many trash bags just raking up leaves and trying to make it look nice because that's what it takes. If you're going to have the cemetery look nice, it's going to be some work put into it. And this is similar to where Mary goes to visit because the place where she goes, it's not where the poor would be buried. No, no, I've seen some of those tombs. They're just in the side of, of, of a rock hill is all it is. It's just a, a side of a cliff. And, and I've seen some of those in person. And, and that's where the poor people would be buried. No, 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 this one was in a garden. And the tomb belonged to a man that we read about earlier, Joseph of Arimathea. He's the one that... that talked Pilate into giving him the body so that he could bury him. Get this, in his tomb, he would let Jesus borrow his tomb. It's almost like Joseph of Arimathea knew something nobody else knew. Like, I'm letting you borrow my tomb. You know, if you borrow something, that means you're going to give it back, right? Enjoy three days in my Airbnb, okay? The bed's a little hard, but, but it's yours, Okay? She visits that grave, and after the other two leave, she looks, takes another look inside, and as she looks inside of that grave, inside of that tomb, this time there's two men, angels, sitting where the body of Christ was laying, one at the head, one at the feet. And she looks in, and they said, why are you weeping? She says, I don't know where they've taken my Lord's body. She hears something behind her. She turns around and it's Jesus, but she doesn't recognize that it's Jesus. She's blind to it for some reason. She's so, you know, encapsulated with her sorrow in this moment that she doesn't even realize that he's standing right there. And the Bible says, supposing him to be the gardener. That's what she thinks. She thinks this is the gardener. Well, I saw this one painting that depicted this, and it actually showed Jesus in like a white robe, and he's wearing like a straw hat with a rim all the way around it. And I think he had like a hoe in his hand. And I was like, I doubt that's how he was dressed. But but yeah, whatever suits you, that's fine. Supposing him to be the gardener. She thinks that that's just the gardener. And and she's the first person to see the resurrected Savior. But she doesn't know that it's him. But but this isn't as far-fetched as you think. Because if if you really contemplate this, Jesus is a type of gardener, isn't he? I mean, he's cultivating new life in those that believe. 
All you have to do is believe. Your past, your sins from your past. He said, I will take them and I will separate them as far as the east is from the west. He said, I will cast them into a sea of forgetfulness to be remembered no more. You see, he is so concerned with recultivating and reshaping and reforming your life that he wants to separate you so far from your sin that he doesn't even remember it. You're going to remember it and Satan is going to constantly try and remind you of it. It's, it's how he wants to make you think that you are unworthy. Well, guess what? All of us, all of us are unworthy. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. But through Jesus Christ, we are made worthy. We're made worthy through him and the enemy is lying to you, trying to convince you that you don't deserve it. That there's no way that he could love you. And Jesus is standing over here saying, what sin? Because he forgot it. It's such a unique divine ability that he has to choose to forget. It's the only way that true grace can truly be offered. What sin? Cultivating new life. He is the gardener of our souls. Now, church, in order for us to appreciate this, the, the significance here, we've got to return back to the first garden that we read about in Scripture. And I'm almost done, but, but just stay with me here. Genesis chapter 2 is what I want to read from today. And, and, and as you look for it, I want to remind you that the, the first man, Adam, was assigned the duties of gardening in the first garden, Eden. That's, that's what Adam's responsibility was. He was to take care of the garden. So he's the gardener of the first garden of Eden. But, but Adam failed at the task. You may ask me how. How did he fail at the task? Well, you see, a, a gardener doesn't want weeds, thorns, and thistles growing in his garden. That's not a good gardener. When Adam sinned, when he disobeyed God, when Adam and Eve sinned and disobeyed God, part of the curse that was put upon this planet, it's right here in, in, in Genesis, part of the, pers- the, the curse that was put upon the planet was that now, You're going to have to work at it. Weeds, thorns, thistles. Now you're going to have to fight for your garden, for your flower bed. You tired of picking weeds out of your flower bed? Blame Adam and Eve. They're the ones that caused this. Genesis chapter 2, verse 8. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. And here's where the whole thing went to Hades in a handbasket. It was the woman. Apparently my sermon is in masculine format, but here we go. Chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. 
Very quickly in closing, I, I, I want to share with you a tale of two gardens. A tale of two gardens. In, in one garden, in the first one, a woman believed a lie. You, you, you see, God told them not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If they did, they would die. God was very plain on this. Don't touch that tree. You can eat from every other tree, everything else, but don't eat from that one because when you do, you're going to die. Satan then baits her with a lie, and it's the first lie that had ever been told to humanity, and he said, you will not surely die, and she believed it. She believed it. She believed a lie. In the second garden, a woman believed the truth. When she turned and, and, and saw Jesus and he said, Mary, it was in that moment that she saw the resurrected Savior. He is the way, the truth, and the life. One believed a lie. The other believed the truth. The first garden was guarded by an angel with a flaming sword after Adam and Eve were kicked out. Guarded by that angel. In the second garden, Mary was greeted by angels and, 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 and they were helping her walk through her mourning, knowing that she was about to experience a resurrected Savior. In the first garden, humanity walks with God until sin separated them. In the second garden, humanity waits on God until he redeems them from their sin. In the first garden, Satan won the battle. But in the second garden, Jesus wins the war. Adam and Eve, church, they, they walked from a garden, from paradise, from a beautiful place. They walked from a garden into a grave. But Mary, Mary walked from a grave into a garden. And it was there where she encountered Jesus Christ. Her Savior. Imagine the... The flood of emotions. She thought he was dead. She thought someone had stolen his body. And now the man that saved her life is standing before her. In church, he is still saving lives today. He hasn't stopped. That mercy and that grace still extends and it still reaches humanity. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 35 and 36 says, But someone may ask, how will the dead be raised? What kind of bodies will they have? What a foolish question. When you put a seed into the ground, it doesn't grow into a plant unless it dies first. This is the example that Jesus set for us. He became the sacrificial lamb. He died for us. And in his death, then with his death, our sin dies with him. But then he is resurrected and he shows us how our lives can be also. That we too must die to our sin, but we are resurrected in Christ Jesus. For something to live, for new life to come forth, something happens has to die. The first man, Adam, he failed as a gardener. Thorns and thistles. It's those things that continue to creep in to our souls and they intertwine, keeping us captive, holding us back from becoming all that he's called us to be. The first man, Adam, failed as a gardener. The second man, Adam, Jesus, he reversed the curse. So no longer the thorns and thistles of your soul 
can hold you back from the forgiving grace of God. In Isaiah 55 and 13, it says, Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress, instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle. And one of my favorites here is this glimpse we get into heaven, into that eternal life that comes through the resurrection of Christ. You see, you were forgiven of your sin when he died. You gain eternal life through the resurrection power of him rising from the grave. And when we, we read in Revelation chapter 22 about this, 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 this heaven that we get to experience, this eternal life, I love the way it describes the, the, the tree of life, that, that you know, at one time, Adam and Eve could eat from that tree. They could eat from that tree and all the other trees. They could eat from the tree of life. But because of sin, now they were separated from it. But when we get to heaven, we get to partake of it. And listen to the way that, that, that John describes it in Revelation chapter 22 and verse 2. It says, on either side of the river, this is the, the, the river of life that flows from the throne of God. He said, on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit Yielding its fruit each month. That means every month there's a different fruit hanging from it. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. Gardeners have to get their hands dirty, right? I mean, it's hard to garden without getting your hands dirty. I have no desire to be a gardener. I don't, I don't mind getting my hands dirty, but I have to be dressed for the occasion. And uh, I'm a little nice, nasty on certain things, so I, I get it. Don't judge me. But a good gardener gets their hands dirty. I have no desire. But for some reason, my wife thinks that she has a green thumb. I don't know why she kills everything, but she, she thinks that she has a green thumb. And she's, she's going to point it out to me when we get home. She's going to point at a plant. She's going to be like, look at that. It's been alive for like three days. And it's, I'm going to be in so much trouble because this is the third time I've told this, okay? So just pray for me tonight, church. But Mandy, Mandy has developed some friendships, people who do have a green thumb, and sometimes she'll come home with a new plant in a pot. And she's like, there, there. I have no desire to be a gardener. None, zero, zilch. I planted the landscaping around our house and I'm done. That's it, that's all I need to do. I made sure that I put plants there that were durable that I would not have to replace, you know. So I, there's method to my madness. She brings them home and she's like, well, at some point, dear, you're going to have to get your hands dirty. Okay? You want to be a gardener? You've got to get your hands dirty. Now she's going to try and convince you when you talk to her that I won't let her dig in our backyard because of my irrigation system. But don't believe her, okay? She doesn't have the microphone. This is me. Gardeners have to get their hands dirty. They've got to, they got to get in it. They've got to get in the, the, the humus. He got his hands dirty. The creator of the heavens and the earth
wanted to be in relationship with us so bad that he reached down and he grabbed the dirt that he created and he started forming Adam. And then he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And he became a living being. The most powerful hands now had dirt under his fingernails. All because he wanted to be in relationship with me. And when we mess this thing up, when I mess this thing up, when I rebelled and I ran away from him and did not want to be in relationship with him, I started acting like the very thing that I was made from. Dirt. You see... Dirt without the breath of life is just dirt. And that's where we end up. We're dirt. And we made a mess of things. And God said, I'll fix it. But this time he didn't just reach down and form man. This time he chose to become man. And he left the throne of heaven. And he became a gardener. To cultivate my life and to cultivate your life. I'm so thankful that God gets his hands dirty. As he recreated me. As he recreates you. He takes our lives from the grave to the garden. And the promise is this, because he was resurrected... We get to spend eternal life. So we go from the grave to the garden. And from the garden one day we'll go to glory. And there we will forever be with our Lord. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.